a hidden gem of wartime literature. Welcome, Mere Mortalites, to another round of the Mere Mortal Book Reviews. I'm your host, Kyron, of the Mere Mortals podcast and the Value for Value. But this is the Mere Mortals Book Reviews, where I go deeper into the books that I'm reading, give you the juicy information that is within, extract some themes you might not have thought about, give you an overview of these books, just try and, I don't know, get you motivated to read some books. Like I have been recently, after a massive book last week in Book Wars, which kind of just ruined me. So, I have gotten onto something a little bit lighter today, something a little bit easier. I typically focus on books that are usually at least 10 years old, classics if you want to call them that, uh, because I find some more knowledge in them. And so today we have The Moon is Down by John Steinbeck. I'm absolutely sure that that is how it's meant to be pronounced, uh, like a Gru did, because I'm pretty sure Minions was published before 1940, right? <laughs> no, of course it wasn't. But this book was published in 1942. It's 115 pages in length, if you want to even call it that. Even shorter, it's got the afterword here. So 115, 130, about 100 pages. And it's like a pretty small book, right? It's, it's, uh, geez, not even the size of my hand. Barely, barely that. So I would say it took me two hours, maybe two and a half hours of reading to get through in total. You can really fly through this one. So what was my initial motivation for reading this? Why did I get into it? Well, I just needed a big break from, I, I needed a break and a big break from the, the last couple of books, Manufacturing Consent, Book Wars. I think there was even a couple before that, which were like, it, they just took it out of me. Reading a 500 page book is at, at this current stage where I'm, I'm only reading maybe like half an hour to an hour each evening those really took it out of me because I needed to start reading during the day. And even then I I had a break. So needed something light and easy. And, uh, you know, light and easy for me is John Steinbeck. I really, really love him as a, as an author. So it's, I suppose just one, I I actually hadn't heard of this one. The moon is down. I've, I've read most of his classic ones and I've still got a couple of, of his bigger ones. Like, um, I think, uh, East is Eden or something like that, um, to, to still read. But this one just kind of popped up and I'm like, all right, sweet, I'll grab it. Uh, in terms of like initial impression, I, it gets into it really quick. It's a short story. So I think he's designed this in a certain way, um, very differently compared to his, his normal style of writing. Uh, so it gets a quick introduction to the major characters, the setting. Uh, I think he's done well to change up his style because as I said, he normally has a, a more of a lingering style uh, and he's compressed it into this shorter format that we have here today. So well, let's let's jump on, I suppose, to the, the plot, the style. Uh, it's a relatively simple plot. We have a small village in an unnamed country um, and it's invaded. And um, we kind of just get right into it, into the invasion portion of it. Uh, when I say a small village, I, I don't know. He doesn't ex- state explicitly. Uh, it's very kind of vague on the details. Um, you can kind of infer that it's probably like a Scandinavian, Norway, Denmark sort of country. And they've been invaded by a force which is similar to kind of like the Nazis. You know, this was written in 1942 and we'll explain more of the historical context and why that's important later. But that's that's kind of the feeling you get from the book. A small town, maybe, you know, a couple of thousand people, if that. Uh, it seems rather unexpected, completely out of the blue. The, the, the townsfolk were not expecting this. Uh, and the invaders are, are not tyrants. So they take over the town and it's like, hey, we've taken over this town we, because they needed the coal mine. 
And so then they just, you know, start kind of bossing the, the townsfolk around, but they're not, they're not like putting them in chains and whipping them or anything like that. It's just like, Hey, you know, they, they're trying to establish relations with the mayor. They, you see, they're just regular soldiers, but with a job to perform themselves. They don't necessarily want to do this. Um, but nor do they see themselves as the bad guys either. So their perceptions of life were somewhat shaken because they initially thought like, oh, we'll take over this town and then, you know, everything's going to be good. The townsfolk will love us, that sort of thing. Their, their perceptions over time are like, oh, okay, no, there's actually a bit of animosity growing here. And we see that animosity grow and that kind of is the basis and the context of, of what happens in this book as the resistance grows. So it's rather descriptive in nature um, in terms of style-wise, mixed with dialogue of the characters. Overall, the focus is on the plot as the characters don't have too much development. There's just not enough time to be able to really get into, okay, <laughs> what's the inner workings of this character when you've only got, you know, 100 short pages to, uh, to kind of play with. Uh, so we have Colonel Lancer, the kind of reluctant enforcer. He's the, the top dog of the invading force. Mayor Auden is the insightful bumbler. He's he's kind of like the mayor of the town, but he's 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 you know he's kind of like you kind of could take him for being a bit of a fool at times. But he's also knows kind of what's going on. He's sort of like the representation of the town of the people. We have his somewhat sidekick, Doctor Winter, who is the the wise uh, man who who helps dictate or is like the sounding board, I guess for. The uh the what what's actually going on in in Mayor Auden's mind, i.e. the the townsfolk, and then we have you know the simple-minded but stocky townsfolk, and then these kind of like increasingly desperate soldiers. So uh, I'm going to give you a, an example of the dialogue, or rather I should say Cole is going to, and I see him in the chat as well, so that's really cool. So let's uh, jump onto page 47 and uh, hear what what this sounds like. Mayor Orden bowed, and Lancer went on. I like you, sir, and I respect you. But I have a job to do. You surely recognize that. Orden did not answer. He looked straight into Lancer's eyes. We do not act alone or on our own judgment. Between sentences, Lancer waited for an answer, but he received none. There are rules laid down for us. Rules made in the capital. This man has killed an officer. At last, Orden answered. Why didn't you shoot him then? That was the time to do it. Lancer shook his head. If I agreed with you, it would make no difference. You know as well as I that punishment is largely for the purpose of deterring the potential criminal. Thus, since punishment is for others than the punished, it must be publicized. It must even be dramatized. He thrust a finger in back of his belt and flipped his little dagger. Orden turned away and looked out of the window at the dark sky. It will snow tonight, he said. Mayor Orden, you know our orders are inexorable. You must get the coal. If your people are not orderly, we will have to restore that order by force. His voice grew stern. What I really love about this is the atmosphere that he kind of creates in the book. And it, it changes very rapidly. If you saw in the, the picture at the start, you kind of had like this almost dreamy village type. It's I imagine it like a Christmas-like atmosphere right at the start. You know, the snow falling. Uh, it's it's the, the, almost like there'd be this continual tinkle of bells or something like that. Uh, this is my impersonation uh, impression of what a uh, of a Christmas is like a, a white Christmas. I've never actually experienced one myself, and so what I really like is how this changes throughout the book, and and we can see that in, in in this example here. You know, Colonel Lancer, he's like, I respect you. He's he's talking about how he actually likes Mayor Orden, but then he's like, by the way, we need that 
we need that coal, boy. We need that coal for Christmas. And so this changes throughout the book and we can see this atmosphere sliding as well. Um, you know, the light falling snow is initially like this, oh, dreamy wonderland. And then it kind of turns into like, oh, you know, that light falling snow is probably dampening them kind of uncomfortably. And the, the Christmas tinkling of bells is really nice until it's like a constant jingle in your ear that's grating on your nerves. So we see this atmosphere slide at the start of the book of being rather pleasant, you know, literally imagine in, in your mind's eye the, the kind of like picturesque, dreamy little town. And then how it slides into this kind of, I wouldn't say a dystopian nightmare, not even close to that, but it certainly slides into like, oh, okay, this is actually becoming in a, a bad situation, a bad place. Bad things are starting to happen to people. People are getting killed, um, both on the soldier side and on the um, on the civilian side. And we see the atmosphere change over time. So this gets us, uh, I suppose, onto the questions and themes. And... I think this will be a rather short, you know, the book itself is, is rather short. Uh, the first is to remember that people are always people over the long run. And so even though we see these situations where the invaders come in and, you know, they, they kill six of the townsfolk, for example, or six of the soldiers in the town, and that they, they overtake things and they kind of seem harsh and a little bit cruel at start. But then we get to see their characters and we're like, okay, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not that bad people. They're, they're, they're soldiers. And so... Um, we see this with the that they are can be humanized and they're all individuals. We see this with Captain Loth, who's a teetotaler, everything by the regulations, rules kind of guy. And he's, uh, you know, they talk about, oh, yeah, he's going to be a general one day because he, he follows like the army procedure to the letter. Um, he's probably like the most unsympathetic of the bunch of where you'd be like, oh, OK, yeah, he's the closest there is to a, a baddie in this. We see Lieutenant Tonda, who's just a, a, you know, a lieutenant who becomes increasingly desperate for some physical connection with a lady. But then, you know, she's like, are you going to, are you going to like take me by force by you know, rape me, violate me? And he's like, no, 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 I don't like, I don't want that. I want a connection with you. See, he, he has this imagination of like settling in the town, owning some property, having a wife, but the townsfolk are very hostile to him and, and he hates this feeling that's happening to him. Um, Captain Bentek, who's, uh, or Bentek is he's just a kind guy you look at him and you see he's like he's like really apologetic about having to shake people down he steps in front of a comrade to 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 stop a fight and ends up getting killed and it's like oh okay like you know this this is actually a good guy you you kind of like feel sorry for him that he he gets um you know taken off so quickly and so all of them we, we can see that you know war is cruel there's no doubt about it and unjust but it's it's usually a, a short period and it's it's like a heightened state you you get worked up into these things whereas if you're trying to live with someone as they are in this town and and kind of be overseers and forces it, a different dynamic emerges and you might say okay Karen, but what about prisons what about slavery the, the how these people were living with them but that was wrong that was bad you know that they were cruel and things like that and i think uh, there's a passage here that highlights an an important point on um page 59 which you'll get into talking about how there's different types of lording over people. So, cold, take it away. And they knew when they cracked or relaxed or slept too long, it would be the same here. And their sleep was restless and their days were nervous. They asked questions their officers could not answer because they did not know. They were not told either. They did not believe the reports from home either. Thus, it came about that the conquerors grew afraid of the conquered. And their nerves wore thin and they shot at shadows in the night. 
The cold, sullen silence was with them always. Then three soldiers went insane in a week and cried all night and all day until they were sent away home. And others might have gone insane if they had not heard that mercy deaths awaited the insane at home. And a mercy death is a terrible thing to think of. Fear crept in on the men in their billets, and it made them sad. And it crept into the patrols, and it made them cruel. The year turned and the nights grew long. It was dark at three o'clock in the afternoon and not light again until nine in the morning. Yeah, so what we see from here is the conquerors can somewhat become the conquered. And this is what happens in the book. They take over this town, but the townsfolk and their resistance, whilst not an active, let's let's like try and kill and murder these people who've taken over us, um, because that wouldn't work. Uh, they they do have this kind of hostile atmosphere that comes about where it ends up you know hurting the the conquerors the invaders more than it hurts the the townsfolk and this is you know this is due to just like straight up numbers of of people you know if you're outnumbered one to ten or probably even more one to twenty by people in the town even though you might have weaponry and things like that it's kind of like oh okay you got to watch your back because they can have knives they can you know punch me they can kick me all these sorts of things and we we see this you know the small can i don't think can ever really win over the long term over a force especially if they're forcing them to do things they don't want to they're forcing them to get the coal from the mine if they're forcing them to behave in certain ways and you know not read certain things and not believe certain things and not do certain practices like go to church at this time or whatever and you know there's a curfew and all of these sorts of things it's you know coercion and violence leave a lingering trail that's I, I I think it takes decades to overcome, if if ever. And there's certainly grudges and in certain countries where, you know, people can't live with another group of people because they hate them so much. I think institutions, once again, getting back to like slavery and, and jails and, and things like that. I imagine back in the, the, you know, let's just take the Roman times, the Greek times when they had, you know, proper slaves, the slaves would be treated as part of the household. And if you had like a good relationship with your your slave whilst they might not you know have the the luxuries of you as like the privileged wealthy landowner they i imagine that a better household would be one where the slaves are happy themselves and where you know if they left it would, and and were freed you know their life might not be better outside than it is inside the wealthy household if they've got a kind master who is treating them and the kind master gets, in, in fact, like a person who wants to be there so they don't have to watch their back if Spartacus comes in and, and a slave revolt happens. So we kind of see, okay, even though there can be dispositions of power, it's probably better if you're kind and nice and not using violence or coercion or, you know, the minimal amount necessary to someone who is kind of underneath you. Uh, and that is probably a, a better way to live in general. And I, I think we see this with jails as well. The, the Scandinavian Norwegian jails, they're, they're, they're almost like homesteads. They, they look like, you know, nice places to get away. Sure, the people might not want to be there in, in, in total, but they're treated kindly. They're treated like humans. And I think they end up having way better, you know, results in terms of uh, what's it? Recivitism of, of like, breaking the law again once your sentence has passed and you're kind of rehabilitated instead of shunted away much like the american system is which is um is pretty ugly and gross so that's the the main themes that i get from this book is you know 
be kind, be kind to people and don't, don't invade countries. That's probably, probably <laughs> not a good thing. <laughs> Let's jump on to the uh, author and some extra details. Uh, so John Steinbeck is an American author. I've talked to him about him a lot before. I've done a lot of book reviews for him. So I would say just go check out some of those if you, if you want to do that. I might even do a ranking episode of all the books of his for a filler episode next time I need to do that. And uh, because I, I, I think that would kind of be a fun thing to do because I've read Oh, geez, like five or six of his books now, and um, I do intend to read more. So instead, let's jump onto like the context of this book, and I think it's actually rather important. And the the afterword in this is is pretty pretty interesting. So I think there was maybe what like ten pages of this afterword, maybe a little bit more. Yeah, ten pages, about that, fifteen. And what was really interesting about this book was it was written express, expressly to provide resistance. So if you'd seen the, um, the title it was, uh, of this, it was Propaganda I Can Get Behind. And this book was actually written as propaganda. John Steinbeck, in, during the wartime, wanted to help out and he wanted to, to help, you know, write something that would provide resistance for countries or for people who'd be taken over. And you could think you could write a book where it's like, about these cruel Nazis who had overtaken the country and like they were evil, bad people. And it was like, let's write a book about this amazing resistance that rises up and, and fights against them. And the good guys win at the end. But it's like, if you try and do that, you get killed and everyone around you gets killed. And so instead he wrote a book which was dictated based on people who was actually meeting from these kind of countries, you know, refugees who managed to escape from... Uh, you know, somewhere like Paris or somewhere like Finland or particularly Norwegian countries where, um, or not Norwegian, Scandinavian countries where he, he had access to some people who had had their town taken over by um, the Germans and, or, or like the, the Nazi force or like the, the force, it could still be their own townsfolk of a different political party who'd taken over and installed a dictatorship, whatever. And so he, he wrote this for, uh, kind of providing hope for those sorts of people living in these types of places. And uh, he got a bit of flack from other writers, journalists, critics for saying like, this book is so unrealistic, you know, you're, you're, it's actually propaganda for the Nazis because you're putting them in a good light. And once again, he doesn't use the word Nazis, nor does he give a specific country in the book, even though that's the kind of context behind it. And <laughs> what and and it's like this book will never be great it's it's terrible kind of propaganda uh and in fact it actually was really really good it got translated a whole bunch of times put out in like all of these you know distributed via printing presses of an individual dude hand rolling it underneath the just uh, gestapo headquarters and um you know distributing it out in france and in denmark and in norway and and all of in finland and all of these different countries and Switzerland and it might have been altered in some places I'm sure it was on a lot of lists as like books to be banned and 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 burned and things like this but there was certainly reading the context behind it, it's like oh this was actually a highly highly uh in influential book what's interesting is propaganda as a word gets a pretty bad rep and I, I think rightly so because in most cases it's the you know mass propaganda that we saw in in the Noam Chomsky and um, Edward Herman book but in this case, I, I think it's a somewhat of an exception, mostly because in my mind, what he's promoting is is relatively good in terms of like if you had to make 
if you're in this situation, what's the best thing to promote? Is it to promote violence against the aggressors themselves? Is it is it to like promote coercion and violence in that sense? And he and he's no, he instead it's it's more like a non-violent resistance. And he, what happens in the book is they end up getting this dynamite and they um, um, parachuted to them by like some allies overseas, and so they use this to like blow up the train tracks and just cause nuisances and problems rather than a full-on like let's try and kill these people who have taken over our town so i thought that was kind of interesting and the book itself it has elements of style it's it's not just a propaganda piece which you which you read and it's like oh okay well you know i can see the obvious bias behind this and so uh we'll go on to this last quote here just to give a a sense of like what the book's actually like and and why it's not just a propaganda piece Beside the fireplace, old Dr. Winter sat, bearded and simple and benign, historian and physician to the town. He watched in amazement while his thumbs rolled over and over on his lap. Dr. Winter was a man so simple that only a profound man would know him as profound. He looked up at Joseph, the mayor's servingman, to see whether Joseph had observed the rolling wonders of his thumbs. Eleven o'clock? Dr. Winter asked, and Joseph answered abstractly. Yes, sir. The note said eleven. You read the note? No, sir. His Excellency read the note to me, and Joseph went about testing each of the gilded chairs to see whether it had moved since he had last placed it. Joseph habitually scowled at furniture, expecting it to be impertinent, mischievous, or dusty. In a world where Mayor Orden was the leader of men, Joseph was the leader of furniture, silver, and dishes. Joseph was elderly and lean and serious and his life was so complicated that only a profound man would know him to be simple. I love that. I love that classic Steinbeck wordplay where it's, you know, I know uh, only uh, like a worldly man would know him to be simple and then the vice versa for the um for the Dr. Winter and I I yeah, it that was on page 2/3. So we get really into it really quickly where it's like, okay, there's actually some some clever writing here, which I I really appreciate. And I think the book on its own does have a bit of merit as as a story in itself. I read the whole thing through and thought, you know, this is a decent book. And then I read the afterword and I was like, oh, wow, the, the whole context behind this now makes it much more fascinating. Sure, it was written with an express purpose and and propaganda is, is what Steinbeck himself called it. But I think it has enough literary merit to go and and substance as a story to go, you know what, it's it's worth reading for this. It's not. It's not something that you can just brush off as like, oh, that's, you know, it's it's total like Joseph Goebbels just like random ranting or or whatever. It's it's like no, this is well constructed and it has some merit behind that. Much like I would say something like Anne Rand's The Fountainhead or Atlas Shrugged, there are portions of it where you go like, oh god, this is a bit much, especially when they do like long speeches at the end in, in Atlas Shrugged. Um, John Galt, for example, but man, there's there's some other portions as well where it's like, damn, that, that was a really interesting book. Atlas Shrugged, I think, as a as a book, as a plotline, as a story, is really quite interesting, and I I quite enjoyed it. And then it just has some portions at the end where it's like, Ugh, okay, there's a bit much. I didn't get that from this one. There was no there was no like explicit, and that's probably just due to the length of it. But nevertheless, it's uh it's pretty interesting. So. Let's jump on to the, my final summary, similar book recommendations, uh, things like that. It's an easy, short read. 
The story itself was evocative, but not particularly intense. I'm not going to say it's like really going to sear into my mind because it's just a bit too far from everyday reality for me. One, I don't live in a small town. Two, I'm not in Europe. Three, you know, the winter, all those sorts of things. The the setting uh, was was far out. And then also just the situation, you know, being overtaken by an invader. I've, I've never really got to experience that myself. Um, so it's... It was interesting, but like it wasn't a, a deep connection to me. Um, it's quite cool for its historical context. I, I did enjoy that. Um, so I'm very glad I, I read it for that reason. Much like last week with Book Wars, on a personal rating, I would give it much higher because I find it interesting with the context added behind it. Um, you know, Book Wars last week, I was, I was reading this stuff for, for personal interest. But in terms of like someone just getting this book and reading it, I'd probably give it like a five and a half out of 10. It, it, like it's, it's not, it's not going to like blow your mind in terms of literary style, in terms of themes, in terms of all that stuff. It's just a nice, short, simple read. So overall, I'm giving uh, John Steinbeck's The Moon is Down uh, a five and a half out of 10. You know, worth checking out. And it's, it's pretty short, so you'll, you'll get through it quickly. What's some similar books, recommendations? Well, obviously read any of his other works. Of Mice and Men is probably the closest in terms of the length and being written by him and the kind of intensity of, of the book or the seriousness of it, I would say. Uh, Sweet Thursday is also a, a decent shot because uh, the, the character in that doc kind of reminds me of Dr. Winter in, in this book or some of the characters. So uh, yeah, those couple of recommendations. Here's a curveball for you as well. Try out Mahatma Gandhi's autobiography. If you want to know more about nonviolent resistance, because that's, uh, that's really what's, what's in this book here. So there we go, a couple of different things. I'm gonna jump onto my Boostergram lounge here and um, I'll in fact maybe talk about why this is gonna change up in the future. First of all, uh, I did see Juan in the chat, I did see Cole McCormick, I did see Johnny. He said, uh, Steinbeck is awesome. I finally made it out to Selena's last November to see his house in the museum. Very interesting. I hope you like East of Eden, it's my favorite book. That is coming up soon. I'm reading another of his at the moment, uh, which is The Winter of Our Discontent but I will get on to East of Eden shortly. I promise you that. So it's coming. It's coming, Johnny. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Boostgram Lounge is where I like to thank people who have helped to support the show, uh, especially in a monetary uh, form. Unfortunately, once again, we do not have any Boostergrams coming in this week. And we also don't have any um, live people streaming in or anything like that. Look, I... This is uh, where I probably need to kind of almost accept defeat in some ways. I think I've, I've tried to make this the best podcast I can um, in terms of like the audio side of things. And for whatever reason, it's just, just not gaining traction. And look, I've been putting a lot of effort onto YouTube as well. And I, I talk about the comments. I talk about the live things and, and things going on like that. So I think in the future, I'm, I'm probably going to turn this into more of like asking for a, for a PayPal donation, or maybe I would even be willing to set up a Patreon just as a, as like a try. I don't particularly like that service, but I have had people say to me that they would, uh, use, use Patreon for, for a channel like this. So, um, yeah, it's, it's one of those ones where it's like, uh, I, I just, uh, would, would appreciate like the, the feedback and, and things like that. Um, and I, I'd love to know why uh, you, you don't particularly tune in or, or whatnot. I'm, I'm kind of growing to accept that this, this channel is more always going to be a passion thing. And it's if I want to kind of get serious about um, finding a way to, to fund a, a lifestyle based on creating content, 
I'm not sure it's going to be through this avenue of, of book reviews because I just, one, I'm not going to read the current recent books. I just don't want to do that. I, I don't find them interesting. I don't find them valuable. Um, and that's, that's kind of where most of the attention goes. And, and most, uh, most people are like really diving into those things, nor am I going to get on authors and make this like an interview type style. Um, if I'm going to do that, I'm going to do that on the mere models podcast. So, uh, just a couple of little things here where I'm just thinking, um, you know, I might just make this more of an experimental channel and, and, and as a purely fun sort of thing. And so if life gets busy, this will probably be the one that falls by the wayside because, uh, yeah, I'm just, just not seeing, um, support in terms of, uh, not only like kind of feed feedback. So actually, okay. Um, and I'll jump onto here onto some comments shortly. And, um, you know, Johnny in the, the chat says winter of Advent discontent is great. Um, I hope you like it. I'm actually really enjoying it uh, at the moment, really enjoying it. So yeah, there's a couple of things here where I'm just going like, mm, okay, I think I might need to change up what I'm doing with a podcast and, and as, as a, as a total, as a whole, uh, and especially with, um, not expecting monetary support from this. Cause I guess it's just not valuable enough for, for the people at home. So that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm not, um, going to try and enforce my will, uh, upon people who, who do not want it. I'm not going to try and coerce you to, um, su- support the, the podcast in that form. And we can just make do with, uh, comments and things like that. So uh, I did get a really, a, a big long message for Dan- from Daniel Coates about mass media, um, in manufacturing consent. I might've already talked about that. I'm not going to read it out totally. Uh, Pedro just said nice video, dude, for the, uh, the book wars. And he, um, record recommended to me, um, Pedro Paramo by Juan Rufo, which actually was in my list. It's way down the bottom. Uh, I, I kind of forgotten about it. Uh, it'll kind of be hard for me to get here. I think, especially if I wanted to get it in the original Spanish, but I'll, I'll give it a shot, man. I'll give it a shot. Uh, and then we had, oh, geez, how do you say this name? Rogelio, my Brogelio, <laughs> five one seven one. Uh, fantastic review. Normally, I'm not in, very into books, but this was very insightful. And then a little love heart emoji. Um, thank you, man. Thank you. I really do appreciate that. That's uh, that's really cool. I, I hope it inspires you to read. And that's that's kind of what I, I do these book reviews for. It's also a little bit for myself to get out some of the thoughts in my head of uh, what's going on in these books. So um, yeah, I really really do appreciate that. I'll give it one last shot. You know, there's a little sad puppy on your screen at the moment, and that's because um, I'm not getting uh, any financial support for, back from people for doing this, uh, which will get me onto my my last little section here, which is that this is a, a value for value podcast. Like I, I do all of this because I, I do want to create a connection with people. I do want to uh, hear more about their experiences reading books. I, I want to inspire some people to to try and read some books or, you know, to help a, a person who is doing a, I, you know, I, I know there's kids who listen to some of these and, and, um, and do it for like literary essays and, and things like that. So, so that's really cool. I, I do hope it helps out with all those sorts of things. Um, and yeah, I'm just looking for some interactions back and forth with people. So, um, please, please, you know, reach out via the YouTube and, um, leave a comment or connect with us on any of the social media platforms. All the links are down below um sharing creating a clip that you think is interesting from this or whether it be on the the video side of things or on the audio is very much appreciated in, in either case and um well honestly it's kind of like essential for me to to keep going and, and continuing because uh 
yeah, it's, it is very lonely speaking to a void at times. So that's why it's um, so awesome when people like Johnny and um, Cole and, and Juan pop up in the chat and, and uh, are here to experience this live um, experience with me. So I do go live 10 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on a Thursday, which is Wednesday UTC zero midnight. So wherever you are in the world, your time zone, the plus or the minus, plus or minus it from Wednesday mid- midnight and you'll um, know when I am live and maybe be able to join me. So yeah, we'll leave it at that. Thank you everyone for joining in next week. I do have, as I already mentioned, The Winter of Our Discontent by John Steinbeck. That'll be the review for then. Uh, I do hope you're enjoying. I will be traveling to Brazil in a couple of months. So the, the book reviews will probably be changing up anyway. So all all will be um, as usual for the next two months, I think. And then we'll, after that, we'll, we'll kind of see what's going on. Uh, I know Juan also has a couple of book reviews to do, which he might save up until that April period where... I'll be flying and in transit and all sorts of things. So uh, we'll leave it there for today. Thank you very much for joining in. I do hope you have a fantastic day reading wherever you are in the world. Karen out.